0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first episode of TAB, aka The Adventure Begins. My name is Marie. I am your host and with me is my co-host, Ruthie. Hello. (laughs) All right. So this podcast, we're just going to dive right into it. So this podcast is about when you say yes to Jesus and what comes along with it. And this is truly an adventure. No one told me that this adventure called the Christian walk would have the highs and the lows that I've encountered. And I'm coming to find out that a lot of people go through it, but not too many talk, people talk about it. The church isn't talking about it. We hear about, okay, when you say yes to Jesus, it's the best decision in your life. But what happens when the low hits? What happens when God asks you to do something that you don't expect or he's stretching you and you're like, wait, God, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I didn't ask for this. I didn't sign up for this. You want me to pray for who? I don't even like the person. You want me to give what? How much? You know, I got my rent due, God. Like, really? You want me to do that? So we're going to delve into that today. Um, And as we go along with the show, we're definitely going to be talking about some taboo subjects that the church does not talk about. And also giving our experiences with having a relationship with Jesus. So I started my Christian walk officially, maybe two, three years ago, officially, but I was baptized at the age of 16 and I, um, was baptized into the seven day advent- Adventist, uh, faith, uh, that didn't last too long because I pretty much was baptized. And when I got baptized, I was left in my own devices. I didn't have anybody to disciple me. I didn't have anyone to tell me, Hey, you know, let me take your hand and walk with you. So it was definitely something that was very interesting to me because uh, my cousins, they were seven day adventists and they talked about how wonderful it was and how great it was to be a part of SDA and all the wonderful things I'd be doing. But what they didn't tell me was, you know, once I got baptized that I would just be pretty much left alone and when I got baptized, I think I want to say probably a couple of weeks into it. My cousin, my older cousin comes to me and tells me, oh, yeah, by the way, here are the pitfalls. As great as it is to be a Seventh-day Adventist, um, there's some people you need to watch out for. They're not so nice. Like, wait a second. Huh? What? What, is, what does that mean? Oh, you'll, you'll come across it, baby. And that's all she said. So I was like, OK. um, All right. So. I was going to church with a cousin of mine and I didn't really get too much involved because of the fact that I was too scared. I didn't want people talking about me. I didn't want anybody saying that I did something when I didn't do anything. And what I was afraid of happened. I had my mom's older friend who was also going to the same church I was going to. And he calls my mom and tells my mom, oh yeah, by the way, When your daughter comes to the church, tell her not to wear any pants. Wait, what? Not to wear any pants. So, my mom, being who she is, you know, brings it up to me and says, Yeah, so and so called me up and don't wear pants to the church. And I'm like, But wait a second, I wasn't even inside of the sanctuary, it was after Sabbath. And they were doing kind of like a fish fry. And I come in and I'm wearing pants. But wait a second. My cousin was wearing pants too. Why are you snitching on me? So that really rubbed me the wrong way. And it wasn't too long after that, I stopped going to the Seventh-day Adventist church. (laughs) Wow.
1: (laughs) Wow. I'm really sorry to hear that, Marie. But you know, I'm not too far behind. I wasn't raised... And say advances. I was definitely, at least I thought I was in a Christian household for the most part. I didn't, really didn't know any better. Uh, my parents are from the Caribbean; they're Haitian, and so I can definitely relate to the no pants thing because I think for most Haitian uh, girls wearing pants was absolutely a no no. And I know for sure the church that we went to, which was a Haitian church, it didn't allow pants either it didn't allow you to wear pants in the sanctuary or even out of the sanctuary because you're a girl you were definitely required to wear skirts and dresses and in fact I remember wearing skirts and dresses for a very very long time growing up and I remember maybe about like the sixth grade is when I started sneaking clothes that weren't dresses (laughs) to uh, change out of just like feel like more of the kids that I was around But, uh, yeah, when I, I don't remember when I got baptized, I remember, I remember being forced to be baptized, and that was my first time being baptized, and that's why I did it. My parents wanted me to do it. They were um, looking at other kids who were being baptized, and therefore they had asked that I do it as well, even though I had no idea what it was, what it meant. I took some classes, but didn't really understand the whole concept behind it. And, um, but I did it just to be obedient, really. And then, yeah, I, I just kind of was like, okay, well, I did it. And that was about it. And I went to church only because I didn't have the freedom not to go to church. I didn't get to say no, I wasn't going to go. I, that was a requirement that I had to do every single Sunday, regardless of whether I wanted to or not. So I didn't get to protest and I couldn't. Um, my dad was extremely, extremely strict. So there was just no way none of us was going to be able to say no. But I definitely can understand. I do remember that the first time I did wear pants at church. Oh, yeah. I was definitely shunned um, and made to feel embarrassed or was told, like, what, what? who do I think I am? What do I think I'm doing? Crucify! <laughs> and... <laughs> Yeah, who's the father of his daughter, you know? And of course, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing to bring shame to your family. So that was, that was really hard. So I think a lot of the times, if I was forced to have to go, but it had nothing to do with me or there wasn't any other kids there or anything like that, I would definitely choose to stay in the car and literally wait for hours until my
0: parents was ready to go home. So I definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. That's crazy because I I wasn't um forced to have to wear dresses. And the fun the funny thing is I was going to another church prior to being baptized um in Seventh Day Adventist. And I didn't really care for that church really because I didn't like the fact that they were gossiping and the pastor's wife would call my mom and like, did you hear a sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, or it was like, yeah, be careful. Cause you know, your daughter and this guy and your daughter and that guy. So I really did not like it. It put a really bad taste in my mouth. I do remember uh, when I was around 12 years old, my mom, every time they made the altar call for salvation, come on, come on, go ahead, go ahead. I'm like, I'm not ready. So like, what do you mean you're not ready? I'm not ready to do that. Because in my head, I really believed that the age of 83, I was going to be baptized. I was going to be saved. I was going to give my life to Christ. And then I was going to die. <laughs> that was my plan. <laughs> Little did I know wow. what God was about to do with me. So... Um, in order for me to get out of that church, the Seventh Day Adventist Church was having a revival, a tent revival. And when they were having that tent revival, I was just like, okay, this preacher's preaching fire and brimstone and he made me feel like if I went to sleep tonight, tomorrow I would die and I was going to hell. So, (laughs) with that being said, I was just like, okay, I'll kill two birds and one stone. I'm gonna... Go get baptized. And if I get baptized, they can't force me to go back to that other church. So that's when I took the opportunity to go ahead and get baptized. And let me tell you, it was, again, it was kind of interesting because I remember my mom, I overheard my mom having a conversation with one of her friends and was saying like, yeah, you know, I don't think she did it sincerely. She just did it just to do it. But I really don't think that she did it sincerely. And I remember praying to God. I was like, God, you know, um, can you show me? Did I make a mistake? And that Mm -hmm. night he showed me that there was the offering basket being passed around. I was sitting in a pew and I took some change and put it in the basket and I passed it. And I I realized that I made a mistake that I was not trying to put um, the coins in the basket. So I was trying to reach over to grab it. By then, it was already too late. And I was like, ugh, okay. well, I made my decision. I'm just going to have to stick with it. What ended up happening is I don't even think I was, you know, in the faith for a year before I just left. I stopped going because. I had a bad taste in my mouth with going to the church my mom was going to. I had a bad taste in my mouth from the SDA church. Now it was just like, okay, what's the point of even going to church? And by then I had met my oldest daughter's father. So that was a combination, you know, for recipe for disaster. So mm-hmm. it wasn't until recently, I could say at this point, probably three or four, I shouldn't even say two, three or four years ago. Where I said, okay, God, I'm doing this for real, for real. And when you say you are doing this for real and you say yes, for real, the adventure really begins. No kidding. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I agree. Uh, I don't think, I can't remember when it got serious for me, but I definitely know that I have heard of God all my life for sure. And I've definitely gone through the scare tactics of you're going to hell. And I think I heard it so much that it just kind of became this myth almost to me. Mm-hmm. But I do recall having this dream where the Lord had shown me that I was in heaven. And I was waiting in this long line, waiting for my name uh, to be called or whatever it was, or to see whether or not I was going to get in. And I remember being in the line and then finally it was my turn and walking up to the angel that was there which just looked like a regular gentleman and I remember him opening this massive book and he looked at me and he said your name and I told him my name and he's just going down this whole list and he flips the page and he goes down this list and he flips the page and then he flips back to the previous page and he's like Your name is not in here. And I just never liked the terror that I felt (laughs) because it was like all these years of hearing, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. I mean, that was just something that my father used even, even to try to set me straight. You know, and it was always like, oh, you did this, you're going to hell. Oh, you went there, you're going to hell. Oh, you said this, you're going to hell. So it was just like, oh, okay. But to actually have this dream where... The Lord was showing me that my name was not in the book of life. It was just like, oh my gosh, what? (laughs) Hell is real? Like, for real? (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. And I was just like so terrified. I woke up that same morning and was just like, just like, okay, I'm going to get my stuff together. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to like, like really work hard on being a better version of myself, you know? And of course we definitely have those intentions. And you know, you hear that phrase that hell is paid with good intentions. We have those great intentions, but sadly my intention, uh, just was, was very short-lived because, truthfully folks without Christ you you can't do anything on your own like you have those intentions but if you don't have the Lord to really help you don't have the spirit to guide you you're gonna fall flat on your face which is pretty much what happens with me and I ended up getting involved with a guy who it didn't turn out really well I got hurt in the process very very hurt And in that process, though, that's where I first met the Lord, like realistically, face to face, because I was just gone through such a deep depression from from this guy who I allowed to hurt me that I thought that I, I liked. And I knew I didn't love him, but because I wanted so badly to be in a relationship, I just allowed this relationship to go where it shouldn't have gone. And then I got so hurt, I didn't know how I felt. I felt so, um, when I said I didn't know like how to feel, like I didn't know how to feel. I felt a lot of shame. I wanted to feel, of course, like it wasn't my fault, but because of the environment that I was living in, everything was my fault, so I already had that. I already had really low self-esteem. And so there was just a lot of shame there. And then the shame just led to more suicidal thoughts. And because I didn't really have those parents that were checking up on me every few minutes or anything like that, it made it really easy to take my life without anybody knowing. Mm. And so I remember closing the door to my room, closing the curtains, and just being in a ball on the floor and literally crying out to God and saying, I've heard about you. I've, I've been in church all my life. I've heard about the things that you've done. But I don't really feel like you're you're here like you're just so far away you're like sitting on this throne up there like how would you even know like how to get to me but I literally just poured my heart out and just said I feel so ashamed I don't I just want to be clean and if you are who they say you are can you take this from me wow and I just lay there on the ground just crying and Literally just like, this was my last plea before I was going to hang myself outside of my window. We lived in a two-story house and it would be easy for me to just tie the rope and then hang myself or jump out of the window. But I thought, my initial thought was I had to, I wanted to hang myself because then, God forbid, if I jumped out the window and I lived, now was I not only a broken person, but I was broken physically. Wow. So... Yeah, so I said that prayer and before I knew it, the Lord answered and he answered in such a magnificent way, in such a way that it could only be God. My curtains just whooshed open, this bright light came shining in and all I heard was you are clean, I have made you as white as snow. And I just remembered like these arms like like somebody hugging me, holding me, this 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 flood of love, like love that I've never felt before. I've never even like heard the word I love you in my life. And at this point I was the age of seventeen. I had to have been seventeen at this point. And I just I was just like shook. And that was my first encounter with the Lord and that is where I laid and I vowed from this day on I will follow you I will go where you go I will do what you ask of me and I feel like that's where I sincerely gave my life to the Lord yeah
0: that's powerful because you know you hear about God being easily angered and like ah I'm smiting you ha ha and where he just has a field day with killing people just you know for the fun of it you look the wrong way yeah I smite you And, you know, a lot of uh, seasoned Christians, or should I say jaded, because I feel like they've done it for so long that they've become jaded, that they just basically everything's going to lead you to hell. And what I wanted to ask you was when your father kept saying, you know what, you're going to hell for this and you're going to hell for that. Did that desensitize you? Because I would think hearing that all the time and you're going to be like, all right, I'm going to hell, whatever. I'm going to just do me.
2: Right. And it did after a while. I mean, there was such fear there. But then after a while, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Now it became like a rolling of my eyes. Oh, okay, Yeah, sure. I remember, you know, hearing this uh, this sermon from the pastor one Sunday about when somebody wrongs you to just say thank you like to to just turn the other cheek and instead of for being angry just thank them because they were making you into a better you sort of thing or they or it was shaping you to be somebody greater I don't know it it sounds weird when I say it now (laughs) it doesn't really sound like
0: the gospel per se but then um, is that even practical when, right. when you think about it? Just to be like, you know, somebody smacks you in the face. You're not going to say thank you. You're no, going to smack them No, you're back.
2: not. Exactly. But I remember taking that. And I remember when my, when my dad would go on his tangent. And I remember saying, OK, thank you. <laughs> and that just that just made him even more angry you know it was not turning away anger at all it was just bring it on full force even my mom wow. got to the point where she was like if you say that one more time you know and I was like oh oh that's not being Christian like and oh my gosh it was just like I'm getting the belt wow wow <laughs> so, yeah so yeah it it definitely desensitized me but i definitely believe that when the lord had shown me that dream of no seriously if your name is not in the book of life there you're going to be separated from me you know and and it wasn't even like he even said that but because i already had the had heard about this hell 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 It was almost like just leaving it to the imagination, like your name is not in the book of life. And already I just automatically knew like, oh, my gosh, I know where I'm going. This means I'm going to go to hell. Right. You know, and that's why I was like, what? Hell is real? (laughs) 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 I thought it was just a myth.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But especially if you're using it as a weapon, at some point, it just it doesn't mean anything. Right. yeah. For, for me, I didn't hear that growing up. I didn't hear the whole you're going hell or anything like that. I didn't get any of that. Um, but for me, I was searching for something. I didn't know what. I just knew, okay, the right thing to do was go to church. I knew that. Mm-hmm. I went to like from kindergarten to third grade. I was in Catholic school. So automatically I'm not getting it from home, but I'm getting it at school. So when you're at that age, whatever your teacher tells you, it's gospel. So, mm-hmm. you know, I learned how to pray and basically was praying the Lord's prayer. Our father who art in heaven. I learned how to do the Hail Marys. And mm-hmm. I remember having to go to confession, would tell the priest, but I was scared to tell the priest everything because I was like, oh, no, you you know, right there is punishment coming. So I said, oh yeah, you know, I probably did one thing, but I didn't give him the full truth. And so it's like, okay, tell, 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 say, uh, however many hail Marys and, you know, count the rosary and you're good. That's not the case. Right. (laughs) And the thing is saying, yes, I have learned to have an actual relationship with God. And really what made me, Just be like, all right, I'm doing this for real. I was in a custody battle and over my oldest. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I was going back and forth to court. Every time I, it felt like every time I went to court, I was getting shut down. Every time I just got out of court where I'm thinking, yeah, we're good. My daughter's father drags me right back there. And I'm just like, God, I can't do this no more. If he wants her so bad, let him take her. And I remember it was a friend of mine at the time. And I tell you, God will place people along your way to do whatever he needs to do. I remember we were, she was maybe, I don't know, like 29 or whatever the case is. She was around my age group. And so at the time I was like maybe 25 or so, 26 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I remember she called me up one weekend and it's like, I did it. All right, cool. What did you do? I gave my life to Christ. Oh, really? Yeah, I did it. So that got me thinking like, okay, you know what? All right. If she could do it, I could do it too. Wow. And I remember her inviting me to ch- to her church. I went all the way in Manhattan. Now living in Brooklyn and going all the way to uptown Manhattan, that was over an hour ride to get there. And it was on a Sunday, which was even worse because the trains are not running the best over, over the weekend. So I finally made it to church service. I got there a little late, but you know, I digress. And when I got there at the end of the service, I was like, okay, I want to make it official. So I went ahead when he, you know, did the altar call. I said, okay, let me do it. Went down there, perfected Christ, accepted him as my Lord and savior and that's when I really could see, okay, you know what? I'm doing this for real. And God's starting to move in my situation and where I was just like, I'm ready to give up, you know, I, I did it and I just held on to, to God and he showed me, okay, you know what? I got you in this. And needless to say, I was fighting for custody. I won full custody you know, um, I was told to go for child support, went for child support. I was awarded $31 a week. I don't know what that was supposed to do, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the justice system for you. So, yeah, and I got full custody custody of my daughter, and I was like, okay, that that was just the beginning. And right. I remember I was working in EMS, and I remember I had no money. I don't know how I was getting back and forth to court, honest- I mean, to, to work, honestly. And I remember sitting down and praying. I said, God, I have no money for food. Like, I need you to provide food for me because I really don't have any money for food. So, you know, the God that we have, we serve, you know, being the supplier that he he is and saying that, you know what? His children will not be forsaken nor go begging for bread. Yes. So what he did. I normally would not go to certain areas because, um, depending on which ambulance you worked on, you were assigned to certain areas. So our first call, we get sent to Kingsbrook hospital. Now Kingsbrook hospital has an EMS room, which means they stock up that room with food. Mm -hmm. On any other circumstance, I would not be sent to Kingsbrook, but because I prayed that prayer, God was showing me, I got you girl. I got you. Went to Kingsbrook Hospital and got me my, my my food. That was breakfast. Then I get sent to another hospital and they have another EMS room and I got lunch there and then for dinner. So I got fed three times for the day and I'm like, Wow, God, that was nothing but you. And it was just amazing to see like, okay, wow, you would really provide for me. And I just said that little prayer. And this is how he was showing that, you know what? I got you. You know, you don't have to worry about certain things where you're concerned about money. Money is nothing for me. I, I'll, I'll feed you. I'll take care of you. And I remember um, a, a, another scenario. This is the where the, the situation where it's like, God, you want me to do what? Really? So this happened in November. This happened this past November. Yeah, for, for Thanksgiving. November of last year. Of last year, yeah. And that, that was one of may, many things. But this was the one that really, I was like, really, God? Like, you really wanted me to do this? So he had asked me to fast for somebody. And I was just like, okay, I don't want to. And I struggled with that for a little bit. Because I'm like, why would I fast for this person? Like, you see what the situation is. Why would I fast for this person? And I finally was like, okay, you know what? Fine, I'll fast. So I fasted for, I ended up fasting for that person. But prior to that, you know, the Lord was telling me, okay, you know what? I need you to go down to Georgia and you're going to go down with this particular person. And I'm like, what? are you serious right now? And he confirmed his word. I'm like, okay, God, if you want me to go down to Georgia, I ain't got no money. You're going to have to provide. And I tell you, at the last, very last minute.
1: (laughs) Because he's always on time. "Um,
0: Yes, still on time. And I remember calling you and I'm like, all right, um, I don't see how this is going to happen because um, I have no money. And you're like, okay, girl, you pack in faith. So I'm like, okay, I I, I will do that. Fine. And I was packing in faith. I packed my bags and everything. I packed my kids' bags and all that stuff. And I happened to call up a friend of mine and I was talking to her and she was like, oh, you know, did the money come through? No. And her sister is like, how much does she need? And so my friend asked me, oh, how much do you need? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I just need $100. And her sis is like, that's all? That's all all she needs? I'm like, well, if you're willing to to bless me with more, I'll take it. And I get a cash app for $160, which was more than enough for me to get there. Wow. And I'm like, God, you serious? You really want me to do this? All right, God. And it just showed me that I said yes, but I also said yes to the most uncomfortable thing. And it was really stretching me and really showing me that, you know what, at the end of the day, regardless of what, you know, I have to pick up my cross and there are things that he's going to ask me to do that doesn't make sense. But you know what? In the long run, in the long run is, you know, you start to see where the pieces of the puzzle comes together. Mm -hmm. All right. And that's what the adventure
2: is all about. Is absolutely um, is saying yes. When you, what happens when you when you do say yes? Of course, you're you're more than welcome to say no. But what would be the adventure in that? Or is there an adventure in that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do believe so.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's another adventure, well, yeah, but you may absolutely. not
2: like it. <laughs> I, absolutely, and we'll definitely talk about that too. So that's I'm just so excited about this podcast. And I'm just um, so happy the Lord had put this on our hearts to, well, really put it on Marie's heart and then said, okay, Ruthie, you're in it with her. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's no fun if you are not having a partner
2: in the adventure. That's true. You know, it's, it's always great to go through it with somebody or have somebody that you can confide in and go to and uh, talk it out. So yeah, I'm so glad that we're in this adventure together with the Lord,
0: and I think it, we're just going to see some amazing things come out of this podcast. And I just can't wait for our tabbies. Yes, our tabbies. <laughs> you guys are our tabbies. That's right. We came <laughs> up with
2: the name for our listeners, and tabby. We have come down to this definition that a tabby is uh, someone, a brother or sister, who looks out for another so you're you're a brother or sister's keeper and pretty much an accountability partner so yeah that's what a tabby is that's what we've defined it
0: as for sure so we've hit we're going to be doing our next segment in the show called the highs and lows of the week So basically what this is about, you know, we're going to talk about, okay, throughout the week, what was our high? What is it that, you know, that we experienced that we can glorify God in? And then we'll talk about our lows, the not so wonderful um, situations that happens in our lives. So um, for me, the high this week, I I have to say, you know what, Um, just seeing and 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 being comforted by God's word because in the last 2 weeks I have been dealing with a lot of deaths um two of them related to well let me not say that one potentially may have been uh covid related one I know for sure is definitely covid related and the other three were not covid related but uh regardless of the fact it was just that it was just bam, bam, bam. And it just was really, I really was like, okay, you know, I'm fine. I'm good. And it wasn't until maybe Friday night that, you know, I really broke down and just really started to be like, okay, no, I'm not so good. I'm not as good as I think that I am, but it's just comforting to see, you know, God's word and not just that, just to be able to confide in others, um, where I confided in Ruthie and my pastors and saying, yeah, you know what, I'm not good, but just the fact that they can say, you know what, I'm here for you. You know, if you got to cry it out, cry it out. If you know, you just, you know, want me to be there, I'm there. So I just appreciated that. And already in giving that testimony, my high, my low was in that too. Just having to deal with so many deaths and yeah. having to hear, you know, some people being, um, you know, confirmed positive. But within those people that were confirmed positive, you know, they still they still recovered. So I just, you know, want to give God praise for that. So Ruthie, what was your highs and lows for this
2: week? Yeah, my high was getting onto the prayer line. There's a prayer line that the church, there's a church in Georgia, giving a shout out, name dropping here, Nations 360. It's so awesome. And they run this great prayer line every morning, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings. At 6 a.m. And it's just amazing. The Holy Spirit is definitely brewing and moving in that prayer line. But lately they've been doing an intercessory meeting. And that has been such a blessing. Just to gather with other yeah. intercessors. And learning about them and their level of intercessory. And confirming God's word on what he's doing in the earth. And so that's that was just such a blessing. Now my low... I will go ahead and put this out here, folks, that I have been blessed with three children and one (laughs) of them is a three-year-old who has autism, but he has been teaching me. The Lord has been using him to try to teach me patience and compassion and understanding. So it's really hard to understand what his infatuation is with poop. I do not (laughs) like poop, of course, but he loves poop. So he loves putting his hands in his butt and pulling the poop out to show and showcase to us. Um, And so there was nothing like waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning and being handed poop. So that
0: was my low. Um, So (laughs) if you know Ruthie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That, um... (laughs) i'm sorry i'm not laughing at you i'm laughing with you right right. because yes because if we don't laugh together you know what 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 good is it so yeah if you know ruthie ruthie's freaked out by poop (laughs) so things like poop doesn't really bother me so much or blood or anything but she's more the germaphobe the poopaphobe. yeah that's that's ruthie yeah for sure
2: so, yes, thank you so much for stopping in, Tabbies, and for listening. We hope that this podcast has blessed you, our first episode, and we just um, hope that you'll come back and continue to listen with us. Of course, we'll definitely be interested in some topics that you might want to be touching base on or want to know more about or anything like that. Um, Marie, what is that information that we can give to our Tabbies?
0: It is AskAdventureBegins at gmail.com. Awesome. ask ask
2: begins at gmail.com. Yes. And I know there's also, you can follow us by clicking the favorites, adding us to your favorites on the podcast. And I know there's also a way that you can get in touch with us also on the podcast. Uh, we're still figuring it out. So we're not really sure. But once we have that information, we'll definitely pass that on to you.
0: All right. And I think it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Thank you so much,
2: guys. And we hope that you've been blessed and that you also continue having a blessed day. Take care.